Well, again, Happy New Year 2022. Did you think you'd ever make it to 2022? Remember as a kid thinking what the year 2000 would be like. Some of you here this morning are like, 2000, when was that? So, big plans? Looking at 2022 with some uh, anticipation, some excitement. Maybe you're like, okay, no, this is the year. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do it. Which, by the way, if you're paying attention to other studies that are going on with the whole COVID thing, um, one of the things you, do, you can do is eat right and exercise. It's like the two best things you can do for your health, but also in uh, fighting off the whole COVID thing. So it might be worth your while to, you know, to get one of those Pelotron thingies or whatever they're called. And I saw a commercial somewhere for it. Um, whatever. I, I, I'm still trying to get on a stationary bike, but it keeps moving and I can't get a hold of it. But it's besides the point. <clears throat> You've got people that uh, may be looking at, hey, this is the year for a new relationship. You know, finally going to get with that person I wanted to get with. Or maybe some of you guys are already in a relationship. You're going to take it. Next step. I don't know. Greater commitment, huh? Or, you know, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just kind of looking over everyone's head. <laughs> just, you know. Maybe it's time for a new job. You're kind of like, no, this is it. This is the year. New job. We're going to finally get the one that I was created for. I saw this past week was a memory from five years ago when Pastor Kevin made it official down in Fremont that we we're going to relaunch this particular church and that we were moving back from Colorado to do that. And I mean, whoever thought that was going to happen, you know, not me up until the November before that, I was, had no thought we'd be moving back to Ohio, but here we are for your good or bad here. Here we are. And we, we've been here for five years. Uh, maybe some of you are thinking, hey, this is it. I'm done. I'm going to retire. I heard right before, yeah, I was going to say, I was talking to Pat. And Pat's like, as of the 31st, I have retired. So he's excited about it. It's awesome. You know, you got to start doing the stuff that you really want to do. Somebody in the first service said they were going to Scotland this year. That would be awesome, huh? I'm not from there. For a little bit north of there in Norway, but man, beautiful, beautiful country. So new year, new opportunities. A chance for us to plan things out and schedule things and put the bank account in such a way that we can accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. Or is it? Could it be that 2022, or any year for that matter, is really more about what God is going to do in and through you to not accomplish your plans, but to accomplish His eternal plans, His massively huge, lasting for eternity plans? There's a huge difference between whether we're going to accomplish our plans or God's going to accomplish his plans through us. You might be thinking, well, wait, 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 wait. Some of you guys are thinking, you know, I don't even, I'm just here kind of checking out this whole God thing. And now you're telling me that God has some eternal plans for me? Yeah. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you've put your faith in Christ or not, God is all about 
working in and through us to accomplish his eternal plans. Imagine if you start thinking that way about the circumstances that you're currently in, whether you got yourself there or somebody else put you in that circumstance, that situation. Imagine if you were making plans into 2022. If your thought was, oh wow, God is going to be using this. Because again, whether we like it or not or think it or not, He will. He is. We'll see that as we go through this series. We're going to be in the Old Testament book of Esther. And we're not going to actually get into it today. I just want to give you some introductory thoughts on this. So that as you guys are reading through Esther, <clears throat> part of the plan for 2022, start out reading through Esther. It's only 10 chapters. It could happen real quick. You know, just read it maybe once a day even for the series. But as we get into the story of Esther, we meet this lady named Esther and her cousin named Mordecai. And they are being used by God, whether they know it or not, to carry out his eternal plans. There are people in the story who don't even believe there's a God. And God is using them to carry out his eternal plans because he's always about carrying out his eternal plans. So I just want to give you some things to think about today. So as you get into Esther and start reading about this and what happened and how God used them, you'd be able to kind of um, maybe use this as kind of a jumping off point or maybe get your interests going on this. So this has been kind of uh, in my head for the last couple of weeks, knowing we were going to do this. And uh, we got through the Christmas services, so I really kind of began to work more on this and think more about it and study out and read about the, all the stuff that kind of plays into this story of Esther. And it's kind of mind-blowing. But really, it comes down to this. Who's really in control of your life? We do all the planning. We do all the scheduling. We, we do all the things that we do. But who's really controlling what happens? Because rarely does everything or anything ever turn out the way we originally planned, right? I mean, every once in a while, something actually goes to plan. Like we actually had our Christmas celebration yesterday. That was planned. Well, actually, no. No, the plan was to have it on the 18th, but then people got sick and blah, 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 so then we moved to the 18th. So that plan actually happened. But things don't really... So let's just kind of... I'm just going to work through. I think i got some up on the screen. So your birth. Anybody see that coming? Did you see that coming? Probably not. So your birth, what... So maybe planned, maybe not. All right, we've had two that were planned and a third that was a surprise. And I'm uh, still trying to figure out how that happened, but anyways. We've read some books and still don't get it. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. So, no, so, so you were born. Was that a coincidence? Was it just like a bunch of DNA kind of got together one day and boom, here you were? Did God decide that you would be born? Which we would say yes, but... And since he did, does that matter that God determined that you and I would be born when we were born? Why weren't we born earlier? 
Why didn't? Why weren't we born? Why were we born now? Why? Why weren't we born later in life? Why were we born? Some of us in the 1900s, and some of us in the 2000s. What about your job? How did you get your job? Was it your extensive resume that just blew the person in the HR department away and said, "Whoa, we got to hire this person"? Maybe it was your good looks. <laughs> That's how I got mine. <laughs> Or maybe it was just, you know, you didn't, have, you didn't have quite the resume somebody else did, but the guy or the lady hiring you thought, no, nah, they'd be a better fit. Why were you in the career that you're in? Or why aren't you in the career that you wanted to be in? What about those of us who are married? Why did we marry who we married? How did that work out? I don't know about you guys, but I actually, believe it or not, I know this might be hard to believe, I actually dated some other girls I, before I got married. That's what I'm, I get. So, like, why, why didn't, you know, when I crossed paths with them, why didn't that work out? Because, you know, a couple of them I could see, yeah, I'm kind of looking back on it going, why didn't that work out? One little Dumb choice here or there. One little argument here and there, and all of a sudden we broke up. And why Kim? Kim was growing up in Colorado. I was growing up in Chicago. Why? How? Seems weird. What about your current situation? Your current life situation? Whatever that is, however you would describe it. Why are you where you're at? Was it decisions that you've made? Good decisions that you thought they were, but all of a sudden they turn out and you got egg on your face and you're feeling embarrassed. Worse yet, what if you're in a situation you're in because somebody else decided for you to be in that situation? Set up the circumstances for you to be stuck in that situation. Who's controlling this how in the world are we here today alive? Maybe another way to put it. These are probably questions that if we were to go back and talk to Mordecai and Esther, they'd be going, yeah, you know, we kind of had the same thought when we were going through what we were going through. When you get into this story, you start looking at the backstory, what was going on and how things happened for these things that have taken place and all the different uh, connecting points and interactions of people's relationships and stuff, it starts to become mind-blowing to realize, how did this actually happen? So this morning, we're not going to get into the book, because I think we need to take a step back first, before we get into the story, and kind of talk through some things, kind of think through some things, and hopefully, like I said, it'll be motivating you to, to get into it. So just a, a real quick summary here, so a little backstory. Of Esther, just three details, and we'll probably talk a little bit about them next week as well as some other things. But you talk about how did this all happen? What, how did these people end up where they're at? You've got both of these individuals, Mordecai and Esther. They're both born into Jewish families, but they're Jewish families that are living in a foreign land. They're actually living in the, the empire of Persia. So here's a, a map of of that time period. So the red line is the Medo-Persian Empire. 
And so you see the yellow, it didn't really show up real good, but that yellow circle right there in the center, that's Susa, the, the capital. All right, that's where Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, uh, that's where he reigns from, the king. And over here with the arrow, that's where Israel and Jerusalem is. Well, how in the world are these Jewish people in Susa and not in Jerusalem, not in Israel? What did these two Jewish people and their families ever do to, to be in that situation? I mean, who would want to be in a different country? These two, their families, the Jews that were living in Susa, they're experiencing the consequences of a promise that God made to Israel. Get this, a promise that he made a thousand years earlier. Now, we've talked about this a little bit. If you're a first-time attender, let me give you a real quick uh, history lesson here. We talked about this during our church, uh, our Christmas ser- series as well. But So Israel is enslaved in Egypt. God says, I'm going to rescue Israel, which he had predicted uh, 430 years prior that he was going to do this. He talked to Abraham, told him I'm going to do this. Israel is a nation. They are in captivity, slaves in Egypt. God says, I'm going to rescue them. He takes Moses Hey, Moses, I'm going to have you uh, work with me, and we're going to rescue Israel. And so they get them out, huge miracle stuff, gets them out into the wilderness, and God says, hey, listen, I just freed you. Would you want me to be your personal God? And Israel says, yes, we want you as a personal God. After all, man, look what you did. That's awesome. You got us out of Egypt. We're not slaves anymore. We're going to go to the promised land. And so they said, yeah, take, we want you to be our personal God. And God said, okay, I'll do that. We are now in relationship. Now, I got, a, I got a plan for you. I want you to represent me in this world. And like I told your father Abraham, I'm going to, through you, bring the Savior of the world into this world. And so I want you to know that I'm going to care for you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to provi- uh, provide for you and protect you. Just make sure you're doing life my way, for my purposes. Do the things that I'm telling you to do. Trust me that this is the best way to do life. And I will bless you and give you everything you need to do that. And then years from now, when I bring Jesus Christ into the world, he's going to come through you. In fact, he said, even if you don't, I'm still going to bring Jesus Christ through you to this world. But if you choose to reject me, to not do life my way, and by the way, he predicted at that point that eventually Israel would do this because he knows man's heart. And so... He said, if you, if you reject me, you start doing life your way, and you want to destroy your life, then I'm not going to give you what you need to do that. I'm actually going to discipline you. And one of the disciplines is going to be, I'm going to allow other nations to come in, defeat you in battle, and then take you and resettle you in their empire. And so this happened hundreds of years later. Israel rejects God. He disciplines them. Babylon comes in and takes some of the tribes of Israel and he, they resettle them. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Then there's the Medo-Persian Empire comes in and defeats pa- Babylon. And they do the same thing. They just disperse people and resettle people. And so you've got these two people, their families, Jewish people, who are now in Persia. No choice of their own, but they are now living in Persia they could have returned. Their families could have gone back because 50 or 60 years before this, 
The guy who was in charge then said, hey, Israel, you can go back to your nation if you want to. Go back to your country. But their family didn't. So here they are, stuck in Susa. It's not a real bad situation because they're serving the king, but they're serving a king who's very hot-headed and can kill you if you happen to walk into his presence without him asking you to be in his presence. Here's another thing. Both of them were born into the, the failed line of King Saul, the first king of Israel, King Saul. And, and he failed. He was a, a miserable failure when it was all said and done. One of the things that caused him to fail was that God said, I want you to wipe out your enemies. There's this group of people called the Amalekites. Their king is King Agag. Nice name. But I want you to take care of them. I want you to annihilate them. Take the king all the way through and get rid of these people. I'm judging them. I'm going to use you as my judgment on them. And Saul, being the wise guy that he is, decides to not get rid of all of them. And he keeps King Agag alive. So why does that play into this situation? Mordecai is a descendant of King Saul, this failed king. Haman, who you'll be reading about this week, is a descendant of King Agag. And so when Haman gets rewarded by Xerxes, the king of Persia, everyone's supposed to bow to Haman. But Mordecai, being a Jew, doesn't bow to anybody, especially one of his sworn enemies. So he doesn't bow. Haman, whose family since the Amalekites and King Agag have hated the Jews, says, okay, you don't want to bow to me? I'm going to wipe out your entire nation. Kind of a similar story that we've heard in history past, right? So Saul's disobedience has played into, hundreds of years later, Mordecai's life and Esther's life. Doesn't seem fair. Speaking of not seeming fair, how about Esther? Here's a young lady who's an orphan. She's being raised by her older cousin Mordecai. That means her parents aren't alive. I mean, how sad is that? To not have parents. To have to have a a relative raise you. And yet here she is, being raised and under the authority of her cousin. To make matters worse, the king decides to put his previous queen in the closet, literally, and kind of leave her there. Now he wants a new queen, and so he's going to have all the virgins, all the girls, show up at his palace, and he's going to pick his new queen. And Mordecai says, Hey, Esther, you're beautiful. Let's, let's get in on this. So Mordecai is going to have his cousin, both Jews, by the way, who are forbidden to marry outside of the Jewish race, he's going to try to get her married to this non-Jewish king who has a really bad temper, so he's going to put her into a really bad spot. To make matters worse, she wins. And she becomes queen. What in the world is going on? How can this be fair? How could God want any of this to take place? So why did God have the author of Esther write this story and tell us this? It's a historical narrative, is what we call it. So 
it happened historically speaking. Why do they put this into the Old Testament? For Israel, there's two main reasons. One is because a, a festival called the Festival of Purim was started. And so this explained how that happened. And Purim, or Pur, just means uh, a lot or a, a chance, uh, rolling the dice. And so Haman rolled the dice to find out what would be a good day or two in which the rest of uh, people in Persia could go kill. Uh, he put a bounty on the heads of Jewish people. And the idea was that they would just literally annihilate all of Israel because it would be in the entire empire, which includes the nation or the land of Israel. And so there's God, I won't tell you the rest of the story, but there's a festival called Purim. And what's kind of cool is whenever it's read, any time that Mordecai's name is read, everyone cheers and they hit tambourines and they get all excited. Every time Haman, his name is said, they, they boo and they hiss. So next week, come prepared, because every time I'm reading their name, we're going to try that. We'll give you tambourines. That'll be kind of fun. The second reason why is, is to encourage the hearts of the Jewish people. So from this point forward, after Esther was written in her time, uh, Israel has still been dispersed around the world. I mean, some are back in the land, but they're pretty much dispersed. And so this is a, a story that's going to allow Israel to read and look back and say, well, God was faithful. God provided and protected, even for a couple kids or a couple individuals and their families, and through them, the entire nation was protected. And so we can know that God still protects, God still provides. But here, I want to finish with a couple lessons for us. A couple things that I want us to kind of keep in mind, and as we read through Esther, that we keep these things in mind. We're going to come back to these things, and we're going to add some other stuff over the next several weeks. But, but here's a couple things, a couple lessons that we can learn from Esther. Because we're not Jewish people, you're right? Uh, we don't celebrate uh, the festival of Purim. And God has given them a specific promise of provision and protection. But here's, here's the first thing. God always does what he says he'll do. So here's a promise that God gave Israel... A thousand years before some people took a step of faith in that promise. Time hadn't changed his promise. The fact that Israel was in Persia or controlled by Persia hadn't changed God's promise. God promised, I will provide for you and I will protect you. I care about you. I want you to have what you need to do life the way I've asked you to do life. We have a tendency to focus on today, what's happening today. But as Christians, especially, we need to understand what were the promises of God from the past because those promises are still happening today. And we actually have identical promises that God made to Israel and He has made to us today. These are some verses that we are very familiar with. Matthew 6 through 3, Jesus is talking. He says, But seek first His kingdom, God's kingdom, and God's righteousness care about what God wants to do in this world and live the way he says to live. And all these things, what? Your daily needs will be added to you. All these things, he just got done talking about your food and your clothing. But it's more than that. It, 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 what's, what do you need? You know, we need a job. God says he's going to promise. You do life his way for his purposes, he will provide a job. It may not be the job you want, 
But it's a job that you need. It's a job that God wants you to have. We may have emotional needs. We may be in a situation as an individual because something got messed up in our family tree so that as we are who we are today, we are missing some things emotionally. We're missing some things maybe even intellectually or we're missing some things spiritually. God knows we need all those things. And this was made 2,000 years ago. Do we believe it? Does, does a promise that God himself, Jesus Christ, made to us 2,000 years ago, does it even matter today? Does it impact our life today? Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes all things, the good and the bad that happen to our, in our lives. The good that we, and when we make a decision, it turns out good for us. When we make a decision, it turns out bad for us. When other people make a decision for us and it turns out good for us, somebody else makes a decision for us and it turns out bad for us. That's what all things means. Everything. Good and bad. To work out for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. There it is again. If we love Him, if we want to do life His way, we sacrifice our way of doing life to do it God's way. For His purpose, we know from verse 29, His purpose is to make us more like Jesus Christ, to grow us spiritually. It's a promise from God. Then Philippians For I am confident of this very thing that He, God, who began a good work in you. What's the good work? Well, that He wants us to become like Christ. He wants us to grow spiritually, become more spiritually mature, think like Jesus, respond like Jesus. We'll perfect it. In other words, He's going to keep on working on us until we get there on the day Jesus Christ comes back. He's going to, he is going to be, God is 100% committed to our maturity, spiritual maturity. Whether we like it or not, if we place our faith in Christ, God is going to do stuff in our lives. Allow us to experience things in our lives. It's going to help us to grow and become more like Jesus Christ. A promise that he made 2,000 years ago. He's still operating within that promise. We may change. We may think differently. Our culture may change. But God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And he's going to make sure that it impacts. And here's the second thing. Here's how it impacts us. God is going to use our earthly circumstances and our earthly decisions to achieve his eternal plans. We think we've got plans. We think we're doing stuff. We've got this idea this is where we're going to end up. But God's like, you who are followers of me, you've got to understand something. It's a bigger thing at play here. You getting that job that you think you need is not as big as me using you to make an eternal impact on somebody else. Me getting a 71 vet is nothing compared to what God wants to do in and through me. So if I never get that car, it's okay because there are some eternal plans. I just think it's a good evangelistic tool. I mean, if you, I pull up at a buddy's house and I've got the you know, canary yellow vet, I'm like, hey, dude, ha, ha, ha. Let's talk Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it works. Anyways, I'll move on. So God's eternal plan for Israel, from the moment that he caused it to live, was that through Israel, there was going to be a Savior that would come and save the entire world from their sins. 
at least make it possible. That was God's eternal plan for Israel. He was going to make it happen. He said, even if you guys don't follow me, I'm going to make it happen because I'm making this particular promise unconditional. And so he then used Mordecai and Esther in their daily decisions. You know, there's no miracles in the book of Esther. We look at the Old Testament and miracle after miracle after miracle. In fact, a lot of times Israel will be like, God's gone because there's no miracles. Esther and Mordecai are showing us that God doesn't necessarily need miracles. In fact, he rarely uses miracles. But he always uses the daily decisions that we make and the circumstances that we come across. And Mordecai and Esther, all they did is made decision after decision after decision. We're not even sure if those decisions were always the best. So think about it. The Jew- Jewish people were not supposed to marry non-Jews. But here's a Jewish guy who's having his Jewish cousin try to get married to a non-Jewish king. Well, that's not good. Which is one of the things you've got to wrestle with when it comes to Esther. Because God still used it. He just worked through their decisions. And so God's eternal plan for you and me is once we've placed our faith in Christ, when, once we've come to Christ for salvation, is that not our lives become the avenue in which other people come to him for salvation. So whatever our circumstance is, however we got to the circumstance that we're in, whether it was our decision or somebody else's decision, whether it was a good decision or it was a bad decision, no matter how many people we could blame, no matter how many people we could accuse, or even if it's just us that we have to blame and accuse, it doesn't matter. Because starting today, as you make decisions in your life, God will use that to draw those that are in your life to him for salvation. That's what the entire Bible is about. We took a massive step backwards out of the book of Esther. Because for us to understand Esther, we have to understand the greater eternal plan that God has, and that is to draw people to him for salvation. For him to reveal who he is, a good and awesome God who has forgiven us of our sin. We get crabby with God. We get angry with God. We, get, we, we tell God that his plan isn't working. He says, listen, I got you exactly where I want you. Just back up and let me do what I'm going to do through you making the decisions that you're going to make. And let's see the people in your life who need to know him come to him for faith. So my prayer is that as we get into Esther, and you guys start reading through it, I have already been, I'm going to continue to be doing this, but as we start reading through Esther, that we keep these things in mind and be able to pull out and allow God to teach us what he wants to teach us from this book that, or letter or story that was written thousands of years ago. It still is applicable today in our lives. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for for your word. Uh, Thank you so much for your promises. uh, For the fact that you are a God who holds to your promises. You don't go back on your promises. That what you have said happens. 
And when you say you're going to provide and protect for us, when you're going to take us through and help us through things, that you're going to do that as long as we do it your way, which is the right way, and as long as we do it for your purposes. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for not allowing us to go down a road that is destructive, that you're a good father, that you care about us and whether we're hurt or not, and you want us to do life your way because that's the best way. And it's the way in which then you can use us to impact other people's lives for eternity. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't know you, doesn't have that relationship nailed down, that they would ask you to forgive them of their sins, and that they would put their faith in Christ and believe that he's the one who died on the cross for them. That they would initiate that relationship and that you would forgive them and place God the Holy Spirit in their lives and initiate that relationship relationship that will take them into eternity with you. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.